0: And for your life, you know where you want to go. Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success birds bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life business and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now.
1: Well, hello, power partners, and welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are. We hope that you are staying cool and safe and enjoying summer. So far, we're We are coming to you on the Voice America Network, and the show is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. And Be The Star You Are is doing its shoe drive uh, until the end of July. So if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area and you have shoes or boots or slippers or tennis shoes or sandals that you no longer want, there are people that we will donate them to in over 24 countries. So visit the website, BeTheStarYouAre.org, and you will find all the information where to go. It's a a great um, project, and we're very happy to participate. And the Miracle Moment is brought to you by Be The Star You Are. And this is from Warren Buffett. I don't look to jump over seven-foot bars. I look around for one-foot bars that I can step over. I like that. (laughs) I like that. It's like... You know why? Why having to why have to go so crazy when you can just uh, find the ones that are going to be easier to do and that are accomplishable. So that kind of gets us to uh, our goals, right? Is don't set unrealistic goals for yourself. Well, our show for today, segment one, we're going to be talking about ultra processed foods. You know, when foods have ingredients and extremely high in additives and they have no benefit to the body and have little or no whole food in them, this is called ultra processed. And so I'm gonna give you the scope of whole food to processed food and what you really should be eating. Segment two, really important segment. Are we on the brink of oblivion? The latest climate report proclaims that what scientists don't know is the scariest scenario. Will global warming surpass 1.5? Will a warming planet negatively affect human health? Is it climate change that is expanding the concentrations of bacteria and causing pandemics? We're gonna look into all of that. And then in segment three, In the 1970 movie, you may or may not have seen it, Love Story, it was a big, big hit back in the day. It boasted a sentence that love means never having to say you're sorry. Well, I don't know, I've never agreed with that. The reality is that apologizing for a misdeed is a loving action. So we need to learn the art of apology. We need to effectively learn how to say I'm sorry, Mia culpa is important, yet you can't always expect forgiveness. So that is coming up in um, in segment three. Well, we're going to talk now about ultra processed foods. And should you be worried about them? Because processed foods probably promote inflammation among other health concerns. Now, standard dietary advice is to eat whole, fresh foods and avoid processed and ultra-processed foods. But most people don't even know what those foods are. And and they wonder, well, why should we stay away from them? They taste so good. You know I'm a big proponent of growing your own food. I say, let's grow our own groceries. And so for me, whatever anybody can do, I really believe that even if you just have one pot, I mean, I have... Although I have a garden this year, I wanted to make sure that what I'm preaching really works. And I took two small pots, containers, and I actually filled them with a tomato plant, a pepper plant, uh, some shallots, thyme. And the other one I put dill and parsley instead of the thyme. And they are thriving. So, you know, no matter who you are, you could grow a few of your own greens. You could do microgreens. You could do lettuces, something so that you have some healthy food. Now, the term ultra-processed was actually first coined in uh, 2010 by a Brazilian nutritionist. Uh, it It was Carlos Monteiro, Dr. Carlos Monteiro. He was a researcher, and he discovered that even though people in Brazil were putting fewer fats and bags of sugar in their grocery carts, they were gaining weight. So he found that they were replacing those ingredients, the fats and the sugars, with highly processed products that had high additives, I mean, extremely high additives. And then since then, other studies have found that the formula that creates packaged foods is as addictive as tobacco. So what is the scope of processed foods? Now, according to the United States Department of Agriculture, anything that changes the natural state of a food constitutes processing. So let me say that again. This is, again, according to the United States Department of Agriculture, anything that changes the natural state of a food constitutes processing. So by that definition, a frozen ear of corn or corn chips are both processed foods despite the huge nutritional differences between them so we had to make uh, the distinction more apparent and then dr montiero this brazilian doctor developed a system called nova nova to identify different degrees of processing so group one is pretty much unprocessed or minimally processed so this is often called whole foods this is such as legumes, nuts, fruit, vegetables, eggs, because they all retain all or most of their vitamins, minerals, fiber, and other nutrients. That's group one. Now, group two is processed culinary ingredients. In other words, this is staples for cooking that might be helpful, like olive oil and spices. Maybe you could even add butter to that, and maybe you could add Sugar, um, that would be obviously in small amounts now, group three is processed foods with only a few added ingredients, and those processed foods run the gamut from a simple preservative needed for canned vegetables, uh, or it could be just adding salt, sugar, or another ingredient needed to make bread. but the original food is still obvious, you know you know that. If you open this can of corn, there's corn inside. Now, group four is where the ultra food processing comes in. So there here are many ingredients in ultra processed foods that go way beyond added sugars, fats, salts, or flavorings. And they include a litany of additives. And importantly, they are made using highly industrialized production methods. The processing is so extreme that by the time it's done, there is little or none of the whole food left in that particular group. So we are used to hearing cautions about eating a lot of processed foods. But as I'm just explaining now, there are a lot of nuances within that category because No matter if, if, when you eat bread, for example, all bread is processed, but whole grain bread has fiber and phytonutrients in it. So whole grain bread is recommended. It's actually really good for you. Frozen fruits and vegetables are processed, but they are good for you as well if there's no added sugar or salt. On the other hand, ultra processed foods are never going to give you any bang for your nutritional buck. You are you're going to end up getting sick with them. And consumption of ultra-processed foods is really a growing, growing prog- uh, problem in America today. In fact, there was a study done in uh, 2016. So that's a few years ago. And at that time, ultra-processed foods made up nearly 58% of the American diet. Now, that is catastrophic. This That's getting almost as bad as what I'm going to talk about with climate change. So here's the health concerns. The lack of nutrients in ultra-processed foods, it's just the tip of the iceberg. What Dr. Monteiro's research, it was published in the American Journal of preventative medicine uh, the, in uh, January of 2023. It found that high consumption of ultra-processed food was a factor in at least 10% of premature deaths among people in Brazil between the ages of 30 and 69, and that was in 2019 only. 10% of premature deaths. Now, other studies have linked high consumption of ultra-processed foods with a higher risk for heart disease, and also colon cancer. And there's also evidence of more inflammation in the intestines because the processing techniques and certain additives used to alter the composition of the gut microbiome, uh, uh, biome, you're going to find that that's going to cause the inflammation. Now, our our gut is like a battlefield with it has two armies going on there's the good uh, microbes and there's the bad microbes you know there's the that's why we want to eat yogurts and uh, kimchi and those kinds of things to keep the good stuff in there so how it works though in your gut is whatever microbes good or bad are in the largest number they're going to win that war and ultra processed foods feed bad microbes. And those bad microbes feed disease and they feed inflammation. And that's what's helping you get sick. So how uh, can you spot an ultra processed food? Now, I probably don't need to tell you this because if you look at ingredients, when you don't know to what did it how to pronounce it or you don't even know what it is that's in there that means that it is a bad processed ingredient and you do not want to eat it in general the longer the shelf life and the longer the ingredient list the more ultra processed it is and an ultra long ingredient list and ultra processing they go hand in hand because more and more ingredients are needed if we want a long shelf life. So when things um, have a short shelf life, you know, that's good. That's why, you know, in in days past, I know when I was a teenager and living in Europe, there were not supermarkets there in those days. And what people did is they would go to a little corner shop and they'd get their vegetables at a vegetable shop go to the cheese shop and get their cheese and they'd go to the meat shop and get their meat and they would do this like either every day or every other day because you got everything fresh literally every day or every couple of days so if you didn't grow your own there was always um of like it wasn't called a farmers market then But they were, you know, it was farm fresh. So as you read the information on a package, when you go to purchase it, you're going to see a list of additives. And if you see a list of additives that you've never heard of, and then you see an expiration date of a year or more into the future, you're looking at an ultra processed food. And also, despite the number of processes and ingredients These foods are notoriously inexpensive. And that's why people buy them because they think they're saving money. Although there might be saving money, but it's at the cost of their health. And if you have health insurance, it's going to go up. If you don't have health insurance, this could be dire. So, uh, you know, people will always say, well, can I eat some of it? I mean, what amounts? okay? when you look at all the studies, it's not the person who has a few chips once a week or pizzas on friday who's at the you know the greatest risk it's when the ultra processed foods become the norm when it's not the sugar in the occasional dessert but when it is the sugar in every meal and snack and that the thing with ultra processing like when you go and you buy junk food or you go and buy fast food most of that is ultra processed Uh, most people I should say a lot of people really like french fries and I happen to be one of them but when you buy them at a fast food place uh, they are already ultra processed with additives that make you crave them now if you really love french fries it's better just to get potatoes that are uh, uh, what do you call them they are sliced like a french fry but all you do is put them on a, uh, a a a plate or a pan, and you bake them in the oven. So that you're not you're not deep frying them. You're not adding anything to them. So they it's a plain potato that you're putting in the oven, baking. And then when they're the you know if you like them crispy or soft, however you like them, you take them out. You put a tiny bit of olive oil on it, and you can put some garlic or Parmesan cheese or or truffle oil or something like that and that's how i make my french fries because i love them and they taste really good and those are healthier for you and the fact that you're using olive oil that is a healthy um uh, oil so that's good for you so the old watch word again is moderation it applies to anything processed if you want to have an ultra processed treat once in a while you know buy a single portion and um just have one, but don't don't you know don't go to a big box store and buy a case of it, uh, because then you are going to be tempted to eat it. And recognize why you want to have it. Again, it gets down to it tastes really good, right? But that taste is an artificial taste. Um, does it make you feel good? It might make you feel good in the moment, but. It's not going to do anything for your overall health. And the other thing that you could do is you compare brands and choose, always choose the one that has the fewest ingredients and the fewest chemical ingredients. Now, I just want to give you a quick little chart of things. So, for example, um, unprocessed, if you're going to have a fruit, let's say blueberries. Blueberries are unprocessed. That's the fruit. They're healthy. Processed would be yogurt with blueberries, but ultra-processed would be a frozen or packaged blueberry pie. That blueberry yogurt that is considered processed, if you buy a brand that has low sugar and low other ingredients and, you know, no artificial colors, it's not too processed. Unprocessed would be steel-cut oats. Processed would be some rolled oats ultra processed is going to be instant oats so see that's where you could get fooled you think oh we're supposed to have oatmeal i'll just have some instant oatmeal but that could be ultra processed so really look at it another thing unprocessed dried beans now everyone knows that beans are good for you processed would be canned beans now it depends on again who makes them it could be that they're really minimally processed and they're just in water you know, with maybe a teeny bit of salt in them. But ultra-processed would be a frozen bean burrito or something. Look at the ingredients in that. Another thing, I'll go back to fruit, like oranges. Okay, oranges, pick it off the tree, delicious. Make your own orange juice. But processed would be orange juice that you buy in the store. Again, you could get fresh squeezed orange juice or look for one that's not too processed. But the ultra-processed, which has no value to you and could really hurt your health would be orange soda. The next thing, let's go to a meat. Let's talk about a chicken uh, chicken breast. So uh, unprocessed would be a chicken breast. You know, chicken, you take it out of the package. If you bake it, uh, saute it, all of that's all unprocessed. But processed would be a fried chicken breast or a deep fried because now you're adding all this other stuff to it but that's still not so bad as ultra processed would be what people probably really want. And that would be like chicken nuggets. So I hope that gives you an idea because we want you to stay healthy. And again, I just wanna get back and advise people that one of the best things you can do is at least grow a few of your own groceries. And even if you think you have a brown thumb, you really don't. Nobody has a brown thumb. You can grow something really pretty easily. So even if it's some chives, those grow easily. Some mint. All herbs are super simple and they will season your, um, your dishes really well so that you can use a minimal amount of salt. And then you can even grow stevia, which is a, a natural sweetener. So you're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Stay healthy. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the climate and what's happening in our world. Stay tuned.
0: Be the star you are. the star
2: us on twitter for more great ideas at voice america empowerment get autographed copies of new york times best-selling author cynthia bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com get inspired and motivated to be your best self with be the star you are 99 gifts and be the star you are for teens buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925 377 STAR. 925 377 STAR. 925 377 STAR. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach Cynthia Bryan will bring her energetic expertise nine two five three seven seven STAR and visit WWW dot com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan WW dot com. express yourself follow voice america at facebook.com forward slash voice america for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts
0: it's power time on star style be the star you are with your passion purpose and possibility producer cynthia bryant now back to the power party this business of show
1: well most people around the globe haven't had to pay attention to the news to know that the weather is really changing in so many places it is that has, <laughs> it's flooding i mean and people having to be rescued by boat in places like arizona and california temperatures are Uh, up into the 115s Uh, last year at this time in British Columbia the temperature got to 121 it has never been like that before we see so much climate change yet there are so many people denying that there's global warming and climate change and there has been what's called a final climate report and it's a very unsettling report because the scariest part of this landmark new climate report may be what scientists don't know. On March 20th, the United Nations International Panel on Climate Change released what they called the final volume in a series of reports outlining experts' latest understanding of climate science. And it declared the science unequivocal and warned that even with urgent action, we will face a dramatic uptick in catastrophic events from droughts to floods that have become telltale signs of a rapidly warming world. And we're all experiencing it. I mean, it is just amazing to me what we're what we're going through. And when I do turn on the news and um, it seems that almost you know, every continent has something really terrible happening and all the glaciers are melting in Antarctica and, you know, populations of animals are disappearing. So we are really having a difficult time now. And it's time that, uh, you know, climate, it, the climate is changing. And why aren't we? Now, scientists can confidently say that the most worrisome thing is to them, are the known unknowns, the potential outcomes scientists know could happen, even if they don't know exactly when or how. This, um, there's, this was a 37-page summary for policymakers. And in the middle, scientists explain that the likelihood and risks of unavoidable, irreversible, or abrupt changes. And they explained that. And it's striking how close we may be to crossing a number of these points of no return and how little we know about them. So you might have heard of AMAC. It's uh, Atlantic um, uh, Meridian Overturning Circulation AMOC. This system of ocean currents is a key regulator of Atlantic Ocean temperatures and in turn maintaining land temperatures particularly here in North America. Now, the IPCC, which is the International Panel on Climate Change, says scientists have medium confidence, only medium confidence, that the AMOC will not abruptly collapse before 2100. And if it did, it would remake weather patterns and disrupt human activities on a catastrophic level. And another known unknown, is the scale of sea level rise in high emission scenarios in which countries abandon climate commitments global average sea levels are expected to rise at least three feet by 2100 but because the science of rapidly melting ice sheets is really remaining difficult for scientists to understand that number could also end up being eight feet or more in that same time frame, And that would mean the difference between survival and destruction of coastal communities. And the more the planet warms, the more likely we are to experience unpredictable catastrophic changes. And the stakes could be world-changing. We would have a loss of ecosystems, the rapid remaking of regional climates, and most likely the destruction of entire regions Climate events of this magnitude are referred to as the tipping point. They're singular climatic events that can instantly reshape our understanding of climate systems, but they aren't the only terrifying known unknowns because that new report also lays out how the future becomes more difficult to predict as climate change proceeds and impacts that scientists could project today will effectively become more difficult to predict when they intersect with other climate effects. And what's going to happen will be food insecurity. Um, That could drive changes in agricultural practices, which again, that could in turn affect the climate. Basically everything we do is affecting the climate. And flipping through three decades of this IPCC reports, it's so easy to see how the science has become more certain and more urgent. And they won't be publishing another report for at least six years. And in that time, the science is going to evolve. Uh, But so are the human impacts. And it's also likely that global warming is going to surpass that 1.5 centigrade uh, mark identified as the danger zone. And that is going to trigger many of the known tipping points and by then we should know more about these known unknowns too but we can only hope that the knowledge brings some relief and doesn't bring catastrophe and if you have uh, been watching any of the news uh, i mean floods in peru you know uh, in vermont in in uh, new york it is just it is so crazy and then of course when you see them happening in Europe and then the droughts in Africa here in California. And interesting, there's a new book out that's called um, The Heat Will Kill You First. And I have been kind of following this author and what he's saying as a researcher. And it's fascinating to me how so many people are just negating the fact that this is happening and um, and still wanting fossil fuels. In Texas, which is big on fossil fuels and oil, as we know, yeah. in this last heat wave, in fact, they're still in the middle of the heat wave now, what has saved the grid has been solar power. Solar power is inexpensive. Solar power works obviously when it's sunny. And when all everybody's turning on their air conditioning and the grid is ter- turning off, Um, solar power is kicking in. So we have to look at all these things. And the other thing that has really shocked me that I've been reading about is how um, weather uh, meteorologists and weather reporters have had their lives threatened. Some of them have had to quit their jobs or move away because of these wackos out there. And I'm sorry that I'm calling you a wacko, but if you don't believe in that the climate is changing, Please go to one of these areas that is flooding or is having these crazy temperatures, (laughs) but these meteorologists and um, have been getting death death threats or nasty emails and people saying there's no such thing as global warming and there's no such thing as climate change. Let's follow the science, people. None of us want the climate to change. I really love where we live. Um, I've always thought the weather was really nice and pleasant. And I always liked hot weather. But it's getting crazy hotter and crazy colder. And we had, in my area of California, we had 12 atmospheric rivers this year. And I don't remember a time that we even had one. So this has been, I mean, we flooded. I, have, I had something like 40 sandbags. It was really crazy. Never seen anything like it. And then there's something else I want to talk about when it comes to the climate. And that is about the bacteria and what it can do for our health and pandemics. So one of the things the climate experts have long warned about are the many ways that a warming planet are going to negatively affect our health, our human health as well as animal health. But now that the global temperatures are predicted to increase by that 1.5 degrees centigrade by 2030, then that's only a couple years away. That risk is becoming increasingly real, and we really have to start paying attention. So there was one long-held prediction that appears to be coming true. And according to the results of a study that was published in Nature Scientific Reports, it is this how climate change might expand concentrations of bacteria that thrive and spread through warmer seawater and they cause infection with a particularly high fatality rate. That's scary to me. I mean, I like warm ocean water. I would love to scuba dive and snorkel and all that, but there is a bacteria that's called uh, vibrio vulnificus, uh, let me sp- see, get this right. Vulnificus, uh, Vibrio vulnificus, and it's spelled V I B R I O V U L N I F I C U S. And this Vibrio vulnificus flourishes in salty or brackish water that is above 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, infections are at this point in the United States currently very rare, but the experts are predicting that's gonna change. They're using 30 year data on infections from the bacterium that was reported to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. And scientists at the University of East Anglia in the United Kingdom found that Vibria vulnificus is expanding from its historic Gulf Coast range with more Northern states reporting infections as waters become warmer. And they're seeing the core distribution of infections extending to areas that traditionally have very few or very rare cases. And this um, was stated by Dr. Elizabeth Archer, who is a researcher at the School of Environmental Scientists at the University of East Anglia, and she's the lead author of the study. And those studies are now coming into the main distribution of infections. So based on the latest data on how much the world's water and air temperatures are rising, the scientists are predicting that by 2081, vulnificus infections could reach every state along the U.S. East Coast. Now, currently there are about 80 cases reported annually but they believe that that's jumping to around 200 cases and such a proliferation could have really serious health consequences because this bacterium kills approximately 20% of healthy people it infects. That's huge. 20% of healthy people it infects, but listen to this. It kills of those that have a weakened immune system. And there is no evidence that antibiotics can control the infection, even though doctors might prescribe them. And people can get infected either by eating the raw cellfish like oysters. I mean, I love raw oysters, but now this makes me scared to eat them. Or by exposing themselves um, to the water, this brackish water or this warmer salt water that has the bacterium, if they have a small cut or a wound and the bacteria, you know, live in the water and then it gets inside the skin and that leads to a very serious skin infection. So warming sea temperatures, they're not the only reason behind the rise of this vibrio uh, vulcan ficus. Hotter air is also drawing more people to the coasts and to the and to the base and so what's happening is more people are going to the beach it's bringing them closer to contact with the bacteria the bacteria are part of the natural marine environment so we're not going to be able to eradicate it from the environment so it's more about mitigating the infections by increasing awareness and improving education about the risk but to alert people to the growing threat We have to monitor systems and those kind of systems are needed to track where the concentrations of any bacteria are starting to rise. Um, Just like we do track the uh, pollen counts and pollution alerts, we're really going to need to start at checking on um, bacteria because there's more than this vibrio of uh, vulcan, uh, vulcan ficus. But it, this one is so sensitive to temperature changes, the concentrations could bloom after even one day of warmer water. So it means that consistent monitoring and alerts are going to be critical. So you could be you know, on a vacation at the beach, and one day it could be healthy, and the next day it could be fatal. And the other major concern about this is that when we have these um, these bacterium that are invading waters co- uh, closer to heavily populated areas like New York and Philadelphia, everybody can get the infection. It, nobody is going to be immune. And the more interaction there is between warmer waters and people, the more bacteria can move into the population, especially into the elderly and those with other health conditions who are more vulnerable to the infections. And then um, we're going to see more deaths. And again, there's going to be the uh, warming U.S. waters are going to just harbor more bacteria. And with the warmer climates, we're going to be seeing more pandemics because we're going to be having more viruses and um, animals animals and uh, birds, everybody's migrating because they're trying to get to areas that are going to be safer for them. So this is a real serious, serious issue. And we have to take climate change seriously. And if you are in a place where you are experiencing really hot weather, It is very important to uh, try to stay cool as much as possible uh, because a heat stroke and a dehydration um, happen very, very quickly. And one of the things that uh, you might have read about and the author of um, The Heat Will Kill You First was recalling was the family in California who moved from Silicon Valley La- a couple. I don't know if it was last year, they moved a couple years ago to the Sierra Nevadas because they wanted a simpler lifestyle, they wanted to be able to hike, and the entire family went on a hike last summer, and they went down into a river valley, and then they had a two-mile hike to get back up to the top, but it turned out to be a hot day, and there was no cover, and they had their dog, their baby, and the husband and wife. They were all found dead. And at first, it was just a conundrum of how did this happen did this? They thought there was a murder or something. It turned out it was a heat, a heat related death that it got so hot and they didn't have uh, enough uh, water or enough cover. And these were experienced hikers. So heat is really, really dangerous. And I know it firsthand from being a gardener and being outside. I have to be really careful. I always have a water bottle with me. And if you are outside, uh, make sure that you have sunscreen on and sunglasses and a and a hat. And if you start and also always have a lot of have water with you at all times. Keep water in your car. And uh, if you feel hot, get into a cool place immediately because when heat stroke. Heat stroke can be fatal. So again, our climate is changing. We have to stop denying it. What are we going to do about it? This is something that we have to work together um, on doing. And hopefully we're going part of that is going to be that we will be um, (laughs) turning away from fossil fuels and getting more into solar and wind power and things that are not going to put all of these chemicals into the atmosphere and um, kill our planet we only have this planet to live on at this time so let's take care of it you're listening to Cynthia Bryan this is star style be the star you are we will be back with you after a business bite and we're going to talk about the art of apologies, because it is important to be able to say you are sorry.
0: Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star.
2: Change your world. Change your life. Voice America Business Bikes. Here's Cynthia Bryan.
1: When making a sale, how often does your client say, I have an objection? Not often because objections are usually clouded in other questions. So here's how to deflect an objection. Repeat the prospect's question as accurately as possible and make sure you are conveying a sincere interest in what is being said and don't interrogate. For example, if the client said, "Mm, your product doesn't offer me the quality I'm looking for, repeat the statement as a question. You feel that this product is not the quality you're looking for? And then follow it with, tell me more about what you really need and want. Use open-ended questions with that who, what, when, where, why, and how in them. And in that way, you'll gain the trust of your prospect and then always question what you hear, and then follow up and give them what they need. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan.com.
0: Be the star you are. The star- It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show.
1: Well, I'm back, and before I get into the art of apologies, I just want to um, do a little bit of self-promotion for the newest book that I have written and illustrated by the amazing Jensen Russell. It, uh, it's the second book in the Stella Bella's Barnyard Adventure series based on a true story, and it's called Family Forever, and I'm really excited about it. It's being published now, and we are currently taking pre-sales, so if you want to uh, get this book at a discount, you want to go to CynthiaBryan.com and click on the Star Style store. The Money Will Benefit Be the Star You Are Charity, and you'll be um, first in line to be getting this really beautiful children's book that is so, um, it, it's just very lovingly illustrated. I, I love looking at Jensen's the way that she has done it. And the book will be in bookstores down the line. I don't know, it, my, the publisher says it takes about eight to 10 weeks to get to a bookstore. so. If you want this book for summer reading or to give as a gift, um, you're going to just want to get it from the Star Style store. And, of course, you're going to get it autographed. And you'll get a few little goodies uh, as well. And, again, the money benefits Be the Star You Are, which benefits this program and our teen program, Express Yourself Teen Radio. So you can get both books. The first book in the series was called No Barnyard Bullies. And this one is Family Forever. And again, they're both true stories. And at some point, I'll probably do a show and give you the backstory of how Family Forever came to be and actually more about Barnyard Bullies. So go to CynthiaBryan.com, click on Star Style Store. So let's talk about how to say you're sorry. I at the top of the hour, I, I um, told you about this movie from this 1970. It was called Love Story, Ali McGraw and Ryan O'Neill. And it made a huge, huge splash. But there was this line at the very end of the movie that love is never having to say you're sorry. And I remember when I saw this movie, I thought that is ridiculous because apologizing is how we coexist as imperfect beings. Um, You know, all of us make mistakes. We all mess up from time to time. But most of us don't know how to say I'm sorry without being defensive. A lot of people and I'm probably one of them as well. You you know, you you just you want to defend yourself. So you turn things into excuses or justifications or reasons why the other person provoked you. But that's not saying we're sorry. So there are a lot of barriers to um, apologizing and apologies don't happen at all. Just out of fear that they'll be uncomfortable or ineffective. Sincere apologies can bring a host of benefits to not only the person delivering the message, but the one receiving it and by really Saying you're sorry and meaning it, you can solidify or mend relationships. You can build trust. You can lower stress. You can improve mental health. You know, there's always been the things that we learn. We have to learn to forgive. You may not forget, um, uh, but it's important to be able, when something happens, to apologize. Now, research has found that those people who receive apologies actually experience improvements in blood pressure and heart rate, as well as an increased activation of empathy related brain regions that set the stage for forgiveness and reconciliation. So um, here are a few steps that you can take. Number one, when you're ready to apologize, you don't have to rush it. Uh, apologies, it's better to be, you know, better late than early actually, because most people need to process what they've just heard. Um, what uh, social psychologists have found is that there can be a temptation to an offer an apology quickly in an effort to shut the whole incident down and move on, But that benefits the perpetrator, but it doesn't meet the needs of the victim. So you can't deliver an effective apology until the injured party believes that you fully understand what you did was wrong. And if the apology comes before that, it's not going to be seen as sincere. So, you know, don't just, as soon as you see that somebody's upset, you, They have to process that as well. And you want to be very specific and use really specific words when you apologize. You want to use the words, I am sorry, or I apologize. You don't want to use phrases like, oh, I regret that I said that, or I feel bad about what happened, because that's really a non-apology. Um, it has kind of, the vague contours of an apology but it's not actually one so when you say that you regret something it puts the focus on you and your emotions and where we have to put the focus is on the person that we wronged so just use those two words i am sorry or i apologize and the most important thing is to accept responsibility Why should you apologize if you're both at fault? That's what you might be thinking, right? Why should you apologize? Well, that's exactly the question that many people struggle with, but it encourages people to focus on taking responsibility. You want to take responsibilities for the parts of the conflict that you are personally responsible for. So avoid the urge to phrase it as, I'm sorry I did this, but you did that. That is like blaming somebody else. You know, that's blaming and complaining. Just take responsibility and say you're sorry. And you can save that, that part for a later conversation when the hurt is over. And be clear how you want to um, repair what's happened. Now, for example, if you broke somebody's glass, you could just say, Oh, God, I'm so sorry I broke your glass. I'm going to buy you a new one. Or, uh, you know, if you spilled wine on um, their suit, let me pay for the dry cleaning. Okay, that's great. But you want to uh, consider the more symbolic forms of repair. If you've hurt someone's feelings with a critical uh, comment, you want to make it clear that you misspoke. And sometimes that's hard to repair. So how can you communicate a promise to behave better? It's important for the other person to hear that this is not going to continue and that they can trust you to improve your behavior in the future. And you have to do that. You have to stick with it, because if you do it a couple of times, you are going to lose trust and please don't expect forgiveness right away. An apology is always a starting point. And the person wrong often might need time and space to heal. So it's important not to pressure them to forgive you. It can be tempted to start, start saying, so what's wrong with you? I apologize. How long are you going to hold this against me, etc.? But that's not going to fix anything. You apologize and then just live up to those expectations that you are going to move forward with more kindness and more caring. Well, that is our show for today. So thank you so much, for joining me here on Star Style, Be The Star You Are. Make sure you're always tuned to Voice America and make sure to listen to our teen show, Express Yourself Teen Radio on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific. We try to bring you lots of information, good advice, and um, authentic, (laughs) authentic, um, authentic critical conversation starters. And we want you to know that you can change your life and make your dreams come true. So for more information about Star Style Productions or to purchase any of my books, visit CynthiaBryan.com. Make sure to check out Be The Star You Are website, BeTheStarYouAre.org. And remember our shoe drive. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. See beyond your physical being and know you are already the star of you dreamed of becoming. And until next week, when we celebrate again right here in the Star Style Playground, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Go out into the world and shine. Thanks for joining me.